Two years ago, Americans watched in horror as a crisis unfolded at the Kabul airport. She was tear gassed and beaten. Images of thousands desperate to escape Taliban oppression filled our news feeds. More than 80,000 Afghans made it to America. But the story didn't end there. It was very cold. There was no power, no heat. Who would help our newest neighbors? I'm Andrea Smartin. In Stranger Becomes Neighbor, you'll hear the stories of some remarkable refugees who left their homes and their dreams behind only to start over from zero. Their only possession was three blankets. And you'll meet Americans who stepped up to help them. You want me to come when you deliver your baby. What can one person do in the face of an international disaster decades in the making? That's Stranger Becomes Neighbor. Find us at kslpodcast.com, follow us on Apple Podcasts, or anywhere else you listen. Utah's best athletes count on flexibility, speed, strength. And the Jazz pick up their 22nd assist. So they count on University of Utah help. Brielle Soleil puts this game away. And so can you. Leading doctors, a world-class environment, award-winning innovation, care to be great. 14 unanswered by the Utes. University of Utah Health, caring for Utah's best and yours. Schedule your appointment now at uofuhealth.org slash care to be great. morning i think we're good now there we go all right welcome on into the saturday show everybody hope you all are doing well on this saturday morning right here 97.5 fm the ksl sports zone jay catch michelle bodkin along for the ride on this saturday morning michelle you've got a really cool shirt on yeah uh, you spent the better part of this past week out in the basin as my in-laws like to call mm-hmm. it uh, out doing some really cool things. We'll dig into that here in a little bit. I think it was a really cool. I saw some of the snippets you were putting up on KSL Sports social media, et cetera. Yeah. We'll get your takeaway on that. Uh, it's Big 12 Day for BYU. They're officially official. Woo! I know. They took, Let's go. It only took, the better part, only took the better part of 22 months to actually become official after they accepted that invite. But uh, nonetheless, they are members of the Big 12 Conference. Uh, we've got NBA free agency rolling at uh, ESPN and uh, – TNT Sports reporting now that Damian Lillard has officially requested a trade. We got a lot to cover this morning on the show. Sounds like it. Yeah. All right. So let's dive right in. Let's. Uh, so we'll get into some of that, but real quick before we get going, Michelle, was the highlight of your week going out to Vernal? Like, what was the highlight of your week? Yeah. Oh okay. yeah. Yeah. There. There's nothing that can top that. Or I guess we could. We could go into starting tomorrow. I am off for a week, so sure. I'm also looking forward to that. But. But no, that trip was incredible and. Uh, I can't wait to over I it's going to be a long period of time sure. that I eventually share everything that it is between <laughs> camp related stuff and just the non camp related stuff that came up. There okay. were a lot of stories shared, um, just an incredible group of people from an incredible time mm-hmm. in Utah sports history uh, and. It, it was a lot of fun, so what? looking hey. forward to it. That's awesome. Yeah, we're gonna have we're gonna have a lot to talk about on that front. Uh, highlight of my week, man. There's a few of them. Uh, so had an opportunity last night to hang out with my young, my, young, my youngest brother. Okay. So I'm the oldest of seven kids. Uh, so my youngest brother's down here from school. He's up. He goes to BYU Idaho up in Rexburg, and he came down. Uh, it was great to spend time with him, mm-hmm. but I got eaten alive by mosquitoes. Oh, we, so we went down to Timonogos Golf Club. Oh, okay, uh, mm-hmm. down in Provo. Mm-hmm. And let's put it this way. I've played enough golf this year that mosquitoes are a problem everywhere. Right. 
But when you can see the swarms that you're walking through, and they're trying, I'll, I'll give them that. They, they're trying to keep them down, but yeah. I got eaten alive last night. So it was great Oof. to spend time with him. The mosquito side of it, that but, sucked. Yeah, but, but, but you're paying for it this morning. Oh, trust me. <laughs> Look at my arms close enough. I'm sure there'd be plenty know, of red welds. Something bit me up. Well. Up in, in the basin. I'm not, maybe it was one of the Skinwalker aliens. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> we, need to, we need to get your breakdown of Skinwalker, Reg, and do that. Uh, we got Jason behind the glass producing for us this morning. Jason, what's up? Hey, what's going on? Austin's, Boston Red Sox, eh? Oh, yeah. Yeah. All right. Mm-hmm. I like it. Oh, thank you. Thank well, you. Okay. So, what was the highlight of your week, sir? Okay. So, I just I wanted to make a note. I'm actually the second oldest of seven kids. So, okay. there you go. So, there you, you go. Know. Uh, but the highlight of my week, I, I realized that there are probably about seven hockey fans in all of Utah, and I'm one of those hockey fans. And of course, the NHL draft was this week, yep. and I'm a huge Washington Capitals fan. And I was actually very excited that Matt Vey Mishkov did not fall to the Capitals at eight because uh, I don't think he's ever going to come and play in the United You're States. The, he's the Russian. That's yeah, he's the Russian. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And I just don't think he's ever going to make it. So I was very excited for the Caps to take Ryan Leonard at number eight. I was I was very happy about that. So, yeah, big, big hockey week for me. We went from one producer who's a big hockey fan to another one. I love this. Eric, our old producer, huge hockey fan. Nice. We're nice. you two in touch. He's an Avs fan, though. Uh, I like the Avs, all okay. right, and the and the Golden Knights. I'm okay See, with that. I'm but. a I'm a cracking guy. I, I latched oh. on with Seattle when they when they launched. There so. you go. Sure, <laughs> fun times. All right, so uh, got a lot to cover on today's show. Let's start off though. I, we're going to kind of split this first segment into two. I want to talk okay. about athletes for life. What you were doing this week, as well as BYU Big Twelve Media, okay. Big Twelve Day. We'll talk about both of those day. things. So let's dive right in. Let's get to what's the big deal. Do you know who I am? No, I, I can't say that I do. I don't know how to put this, but I'm kind of a big deal. Really? People know me. I'm very happy for you. I'm very important. Uh, I have many leather-bound books, and my apartment smells of rich mahogany. All right, so first off, Michelle, uh, explain what you were doing out in the basin. We're going to transition to BYU here in a minute I think they both can be interrelated in a way. But mm-hmm. you spent the, what, Tuesday to yesterday or something? Uh, Thursday. Thursday, okay. Mm-hmm. So you were out there for Athletes for Life, the football camp. We had Hank Mondock on this show two two or three weeks ago yeah now, yeah uh to talk about what they were doing obviously this started out at pine ridge reservation out there in nebraska it was south dakota is it south right dakota. it's yeah. straddled the border mm-hmm. right yeah uh so he was out there they started it there but he wanted to bring it here to utah being a former utah alumnus and he took it out to the uinta ore reservation which you spent time at so i guess how did it go it it was incredible i mean talk about it's just a great opportunity to understand our community mm-hmm. a little bit better. And, and I think especially a forgotten part of our community because we've, we've kind of tucked them, tucked them away. Sure. Uh, and, and that was kind of the big message. I spent a lot of time talking with some of the people that live out on the res. Mm-hmm. Um, a dad that had two sons that were participating in the camp okay. and, uh, and a couple of leaders of the Ute tribe, uh, one of them that serves on, on a council at the University of Utah that helps with the Ute, uh, Ute University sure, okay. yeah. relationship mm-hmm. uh, and discusses, you know, things that that need to happen and, and things that need to be done in order to kind of continue to strengthen that relationship. Uh, and the biggest message, you know, that came out from that is they just want opportunity. Like, 
unlike Pine Ridge, they're not desolate. Sure. Uh, they do have industry. They do have businesses. Uh, the The oil industry is very big there, and a lot of them mm-hmm. are very much involved in that. But it's things like opportunities to go to the University of Utah and get an engineering degree that they can then take back and and, and make what they do there already sure. better. Or, um, you know, so I was told more opportunities at the law school um, because of some of the things that come up with the land um, and contracts and, and some of that kind of stuff. Having Le- people... Legal dynamics, yeah, I get it. People yeah. on hand that, yeah. that understand that not only from a legal aspect, but from the needs of the area and the people mm-hmm. is a big deal. Uh, and then, of course, you know, just just what opportunities are out there. Hey, like if you want to apply yourself and be really good at a sport, you can get a scholarship at Utah, at BYU, at Stanford, at, you know, wherever it is you want to go if you really apply yourself and work hard at it. And so I think, you know, it, it again, the biggest message was they just want more opportunities and I think they want to be seen. And this was a good first step having these former University of Utah athletes, high-level University of Utah athletes come and give their time and kind of teach and instill some confidence in these kids. And I, I think that was kind of the big, the other big thing is a lot of these res kids don't necessarily have a lot of confidence. Sure. Um, they're a little quiet. They're a little shy. They kind of keep to themselves a little bit. And so one of the things that Football for, for Life, I thought, did really, really well was involve Union, Union High School, the Union High School football team, okay. which is primarily white kids. Um, it's based in Roosevelt. And uh, just getting them to kind of get to know these kids and bring them in and take them in under their wing. And the head coach up at Union afterwards was starting to talk about, you know, bringing some of these kids on as ball boys through the season and having sideline access just so that they feel more welcome and and maybe want to pursue playing on the team when they're old enough to do so. Mm -hmm. Uh, And it was interesting. There were two kids particularly that – all of us were kind of watching and they were, they were very shy. Um, not the best athletes, okay. if I'm being perfectly honest. Uh, and I think there were moments where they kind of wanted to give up and the, the coaches, the, the former Utah athletes that came up, wouldn't let them, um, Just encourage them to keep en- going. Encourage yeah. them to keep going. And the next, the second day that they showed up, they were night and day different. They were a little more talkative. They were a little more outgoing. I think they, they pushed themselves a little bit harder. Okay. Um, yeah. And so it's, you were already starting to see things click and, and, and some of these dynamics that, um, that I think Hank and the rest of the crew wanted to have happen, starting to kind of sink in and take place. And so hopefully this is just something that kind of continues and grows. Uh, I know that the goal is to get more like current athletes and players up there. Um, I and I think again, it's kind of important from both sides, right? Like sure. yeah. there, there's relevance in. Oh, I got to meet this person, and now I'm watching them on TV or going down, you know, for a weekend to check out one of one of their games or their meets or whatever. Mm-hmm. And so there's that connection there. Uh, but also, I think you know it's really important for 
for these athletes to understand who it is they're representing. And I think sometimes that gets lost and forgotten a little bit. Who who are the Utah Utes? Um, and they are a group of people uh, that that are so generous in sharing, trying to share their culture because it's a way to keep them alive and keep their presence known. Uh, and so I just, I think there's a lot of things that we can do that will enrich in both sides uh, and just make, make the overall relationship better and make it click and really make it make sense for people. Well, I, the fun part about it was, so Hank Mondaka played in the 80s. Mm-hmm. We had the Barton brothers. We knew that Jackson was going. All of a sudden, I'm seeing you post, like, Cody's out there. Yeah, yeah. Cody Cody was able to get away for a day and come up. Okay. Uh, and the interesting thing is, uh, learned just before we he- headed up that way, uh, the Bartons actually have a ranch in Duchesne. I knew, so, they, ha- I knew they had a ranch because we've had Cody on my uh, – so I do DJ and PK here right, in Arizona. Right, right. We've had Cody on, and he's okay. talked about being at the family ranch. Yeah. I had no idea where it was at, so it's, it's in Duchesne. Yeah, so, okay. they're, so I mean, they have some familiarity yeah. with the area. Okay. Uh, so that was really cool. They would not go to Skinwalker Ranch. <laughs> they didn't want anything to I do with that. I wouldn't go either. So Barton <laughs> Brothers, I, I got your back on that. I know Michelle was over there. I saw that your video, you're like – I heard aliens and I came running. I, yeah, I was... yeah, yeah. It was so funny. I was standing clear up at the top of the bleachers, and I could hear like Jackson like talking about the Skinwalkers and like trying to get get the kids to talk about it. I was like, yeah. "Whoop! We're gonna run down the bleachers and get this." I'm I'm in on this. Yeah. No. <laughs> See, okay. Here's here's the real question. Okay. Did you go to Skinwalker Ranch? So, or did you see anything crazy? Let's just. I did not see or feel anything crazy. Okay. Um, I think we were just far enough away and it was really interesting. Like the people up there really don't like talking. Like the place really does freak them out. Okay. Um, I, I still, I'm super curious. I, I would love to delve in and, and go explore it more. Things like that just fascinate me. Uh, but that Brandon Fugel, if, if you're listening, Michelle Bodkin at KSL Sports really wants to go check your ranch I out. I found out I have a loose connection to Brandon Fugel. Maybe it'll really? work that for you. So we'll see what we can do. Yeah. <laughs> I, I don't know that I necessarily want to go wander around at night. <laughs> sure. I'm maybe not quite that brave, but uh-huh. like I would love to walk around, just kind of check out the buildings, check out the just, – just kind of get a feel for what's going on. But no, as far as I know, I saw no orbs like floating around in the sky or mm-hmm. anything like that. Um, no aliens. No aliens. Nobody got abducted. Um, I no weird medical incidences on my end. So <laughs> we came back in one piece. All right. Well, hey, it sounds like it was a really fun event. Uh, I believe that. Uh, so KSL uh, KSL Sports Live sent a camera out. Mac mm-hmm. Lado was up up there. So there's gonna be some stuff on tonight's KSL Sports Live as well as tomorrow's. Is that correct? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. They're running some stuff about the camp over the weekend so make sure to check that out and and learn how learn what exactly took place and how you can help out and maybe get involved for the next year because the goal is continuing to come back mm-hmm. until some of these younger res kids are up in in high school and, cool. and hopefully playing sport whatever sport is kind of their thing in high school so sweet well hey uh Looked like it was a really good event, like all the way around. It was uh, the limited snippets I saw of it, but it sounds like a lot of fun was had. That's yeah. the nice part. So, yeah. 
Uh, hopefully that'll continue on into the future. I'm assuming it will. I'm sure Hank said that he plans to bring it back. He's, mm-hmm. he's talked about it. He wants this to be a kind of a long-term deal, right? Mm-hmm. Yep, long-term deal. Like I said, he wants to follow these kids until they're like high school, college age. So, uh, And hopefully by then... It's just a regular thing. Hopefully there's a little more university backing, like sure. current university oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. backing. Uh, hopefully, you know, some interesting characters from the past also, you know, mm-hmm. kind of continue to get in and get involved and, and want to volunteer their time. Uh, but it just, it was really, really cool. Well, that's good to hear. All right. So uh, related to that in the college scene, so there was that happening this week. Uh then also BYU, officially last night at midnight, becomes a member of the Big 12 Conference. Uh, the governor of the state of Utah, Governor Cox, put out an official declaration yesterday declaring July 1st, 2023 as, as BYU Big 12 Day. Uh, mm-hmm. So pretty momentous occasion. Uh, BYU's been striving for this for the better part of 12 seasons, if not decades at this point. Right. Obviously, when Utah made the leap to the Pac-12, BYU went independent with the whole goal of getting to where they are today being a member of the Big 12, being a member of the Power 5. So, Michelle, how did you celebrate Big, BYU Big 12 Day, to, to, at least starting out? Uh, I was awake, <laughs> which I was not trying to do. Sure. And I was watching Suits. I've been watching Suits on Netflix. Great series, by the way. Um, Yeah. So that that's what I was doing when Mitch Harper sent something at midnight, and I was like, why are we posting stuff at midnight, <laughs> Mitch Harper? Yeah. <laughs> and then I was like, oh, yeah, it's midnight. Yep. <laughs> Welcome. We we are officially not only Pac-12 country, but Big 12 country. Yeah, so that's the thing about this is, it, <laughs> it, yeah, we now have both Power 5 conferences right here literally in our backyard. And uh, as a kid who grew up in the state, you do the same thing as me, Michelle. The thought of having the likes of USC, Oklahoma, Texas, UCLA, like these – vaunted and historical programs, I thought that they were coming here to play games that quote-unquote mattered. Mm -hmm. It's fascinating to me. Now, let me also acknowledge that we only have Texas and Oklahoma for one year. They're going to be jumping to the SEC next year. But it's still a pretty crazy thing to think that for two programs that were in the WAC together, were in the Mountain West Conference together, for them both now to be Power 5 programs and have these big boy programs coming to their home fields, that's a pretty cool deal we've got in our backyard now. It is a cool deal. It it is unfortunate that it's kind of going to be a short lived thing. It's really only one season that this overlaps, sure, yeah. really for both sides. Yeah, because uh, yeah, USC and UCLA are jumping to the Big Ten next are year. Are also too. gone, yeah. weenies. I, um, <laughs> you're not wrong. <laughs> uh, yeah, enjoy that. Uh, but I, I, it is. It's it's fun. It's exciting. I love. I love this for our state. Sure, uh, yeah. I, I really, really do. I'm, I'm, I've. We've talked a lot about it. I'm excited to kind of be able to sit back and watch this process, kind of more from afar rather than being in the middle of it. Because mm-hmm. sometimes I think you miss some things when you're right in the middle of it. So it's going to be interesting to watch this again, but from a different perspective. Uh, and and obviously we've also talked about. BYU has some advantages that weren't there. They also have their own little quirks that they're going to have to work through and figure out yeah. uh, as this goes along. But I think, you know, there's a great opportunity here to have two really good program, like really good Power 5 programs here in the state. Um, yeah, well, it's, it's a matter of giving it some time to breathe and grow and, sure. and have, you know, that kind of opportunity. But 
you know, I, for for BYU fans out there, for you know, guys like Hans mm-hmm. that that put in a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. A uh, lot, yes, to, literally, to, to yeah. try and you know get the program somewhere. Like mm-hmm. I, I've talked to the Utah counterparts about you know what that feels like. I can only imagine you know it feels pretty much the same for for someone like him. Sure, uh, you know, and and guys like Kalani and A Rod that also you know former BYU players and and they ended up going to Utah to to learn some things and and dip their toe in the waters and to be able to go back to your alma mater and maybe hopefully you know lead them to some similar type success i i i have to imagine they're just incredibly pumped well yeah and i i see i agree with you on that the, the thing is this has been decades in the making i can remember as a kid growing up in the 90s hearing rumors of BYU, they could join the new, when the Big 12 was forming, there was talk about BYU potentially jumping into that conference then. Mm -hmm. There's a famous story about Ann Richards, who was the uh, governor of Texas at the time, and she's a Baylor alumnus. And she essentially told, like, the other schools that were forming this Big 12, if you don't put Baylor in this conference, I will use, like, the legislative power of Texas to, like, strike all y'all down. And so that... All right, the Bears are in, whatever. And B- so BYU got aced out, if you, if you believe all that. And I've, ha- I've had that story told to me by enough people who were on BYU's side during mm-hmm. that period that I think there's some credence to all of that. The other thing is there was also talk about BYU in the Pac-12. And that's been going on, like I said, since the 90s. So in many ways, this is decades in the making. Yeah. I know Utah had those aspirations as well. And Utah got to live that dream 12 years ago. Yeah. They made the transition. And I, I can vividly remember that first game. Utah went to USC. Mm-hmm. I was at that game. Did you go down to that yeah, game? Okay. I and was at that game. So I was watching. I was just like, this is crazy to think that Utah is a member of the Pac-12. It was in the Pac-10 growing up. But they're the Pac-12. And they're going into the Coliseum in a game that actually matters in the Pac-12 standings. Right. It's fascinating to me. Because, like I said, as a kid growing up in the state, we had, we had Mountain West. Battles. We had the whack, and mm-hmm. those were fun. But this was this different. is it's yeah. a different level. This is, it is a different level, and this is what BYU gets to experience starting this year. So, you obviously been covering Utah for a very long time. Mm-hmm. As you mentioned, you were at that very first uh, Pac-12. Game. I was I was there as a fan, sure. but yeah. Well, see, and I'm going to make the trip. I'm going to Kansas. I'm going to go watch BYU's first Big Twelve game in Lawrence, Kansas. Nice. Looking forward to that. It's going to be. It's just. It's one of those things. You only. It only happens once. Yeah. So I'm going out to that, and I'm looking forward to. That. I'm going to be at Big Twelve Media Days here in. Where are we at? We're July 1, so 11 days. I'll be I'll be in Arlington, Texas uh, for Big 12 Media Days. And looking forward to all of this. But you covering Utah and have, having done this, watching Utah make the transition for the past 12 years, what in your mind is going to be the biggest challenge or challenges for BYU as they make this transition? It, this is, this is going to sound so lame and like <laughs> I didn't put a whole lot of thought into it, but it, 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 I think that was the one thing all of us learned watching Utah uh-huh. do this is recruiting. Yeah. It's recruit it's recruiting in depth. Uh you know, I I think there were a lot of people on both sides of it that are like, well Utah is being the snot out of, you know, these types of teams for years and years and years. Well, we all learned together there is a difference between, you know, doing that on occasion and then having kind of easier teams in between Mm -hmm. that you can kind of rest recoup um you know it's different when you're the big bad bully in your conference versus you know not being the big bad bully necessarily in your conference uh and especially I think the way that Utah likes to 
likes to play and the way that I think BYU is going to like to play, uh, which is a little more smash mouth. It is a little more tough guy. We're going to size you up and and make you feel it the next day. Uh, It's great. And yeah, you you make other teams pay, but you kind of make yourself pay a little bit too, especially if you don't have the horses to do it at that level. Uh, so uh, that to me is going to be the biggest thing is, is recruiting, obviously figuring out some of the little quirks and Utah had to do that to a certain degree. People are a little bit weird about the Mormon LDS thing. Sure. Um, it's a little bit of a different animal for BYU, but there's always a way to figure that out. There's always like, but, but it might just take some time. Uh, yeah. Some time on, you know, what is the pitch? How how do we sell this? How do we make people comfortable with us? Blah, 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 blah. It took Utah a minute. Mm-hmm. And again, it was an issue, but a lesser issue for them. It's a little bit of a bigger issue just because that is a big part of who and what BYU is. Uh, but they'll figure it out. They'll they'll figure out what works for them, what works for everybody involved. Yeah. Um, they'll nail that down. But... It's yeah. Uh, recruiting is going to be so huge in this. Okay, so, so huge. I threw this out on Twitter. So I said this, it's big 12 day for BYU question. I have, we will tackle on today's Saturday show on the KSL sports zone is what are the biggest challenges that BYU football, BYU basketball, et cetera, will fa- et cetera, will face as they make the transition to the power five ranks. Michelle, we've got six responses right now. I encourage everybody out there. I'd love uh, for you guys to weigh in on this of the six responses. Four of them relate to either depth or recruiting, and those go to, to go hand in hand. Obviously, building up the depth via recruiting. Running Reb D Humes, recruiting, recruiting, and dot 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 recruiting. recruiting. Yep. Number two. Uh, let's see. Uh, B dots. A BB Gun Forty Two. Depth. I think the team down south has talented players and coaches to compete, but the depth will run through a full schedule is not there yet. They are smart and they will talk with Utah and get as much advantage as possible to how to add depth in the next few years. The nice part is they probably had those conversations already. Oh, yeah. And the three guys leading the charge at BYU. Kalani, A-Rod, J. Hill were all, all on the staff at Utah. at Utah when they made mm-hmm. the transition. They saw it firsthand. Yep. They know what they're up against. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jonathan Barris at J, at J underscore on 20. Adjusting to the conference grind. Teams will get to know us better and know what we do, so it'll be important to, to know them as well. Yeah, I, I think that is a valid. That's that's definitely somewhere on the hierarchy there's, of the list. There's an unknown there. Willie, little bro Utes. That's kind of a funny Twitter head. I like that. Depth. Props to you your social media department for the videos this morning. Those were amazing, though. So, huh, I'm going to have to go back and they, try and find some Well, of and the thing about that is it's not even just BYU. The Big 12 did a bunch of different things. Uh, so there's a lot of fun stuff. But of those six responses, four of them either relate to depth, knowledge of the conference, or recruiting. Now we have a couple other ones. Caden Howell at Howell underscore Caden said travel. Some long trips for road games. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. They're going to West Virginia in early November. That's clear across the country. At some point, they're going to go to UCF. They're going to go to Cincinnati. They're they're going to Texas. A little a little spread out in this conference. Yeah, it's pretty. There, there's some far flung places you're going to be traveling to. Two time zones, and that's traditionally been a big bugaboo for a lot of teams is to make that much travel. So there is a lot of work going on for BYU to compete. But to your point, Michelle, it's building up. Mm-hmm. Building up that depth, it's going to take some time. Yeah. And the other thing, BYU, they have one thing that Utah did not have. Transfer portal. Bingo. They brought in 20 guys this year. And they're starting quarterback. They're starting running back. I'd venture to say at least two of their starting offensive linemen, two starting defensive linemen, one linebacker, and, and probably at least two defensive backs. 
uh, I'm trying to think about and maybe one wide receiver, all transfers who are likely to start for BYU this year. Exactly. No, I that that isn't a a good way to try and address. I think some early issues. Yeah. Uh, I think at some, and I'm pretty sure we've talked about this before. Mm-hmm. I think at some point, the hope and the idea is that BYU will stabilize to where. They can just get the guys in that they kind of want mm-hmm. and eventually use the transfer portal to fill in holes, kind of like what Utah's doing now. Sure. Uh, I I don't know how sustainable constantly bringing in people through the transfer portal uh, is going to be, but it's a great way, I think, to get started and mm-hmm. kind of get a head jump. And then once you stabilize, once once you kind of have your identity set in place – and you can get the guys through actual recruiting, then you turn to the transfer portal to start plugging in holes. And that's when I think teams start to get a little bit dangerous. And and I agree with you on that. Your base always needs to be the high school. The guys who are going to be in there for four or five years, and if they're elite talents, maybe three. But they're there as the backbone of your – and I've had enough conversations with people down at Provo. They understand that. Mm -hmm. They they see this as a short-term get in, compete, Make our name in this conference, and then I think they'll kind of regress back to the mean, quote unquote. Where yes, they will. The vast majority of the recruiting class is going to come via the high school ranks, but they will always, always plug holes. Utah's doing the same thing. Yeah. When Alabama, okay, if Nick Saban's bringing in transfer portal folks, there's no reason that you shouldn't be. No, like, <laughs> no, just it's about it's being smart about who yeah. you bring in. They got to fit. Mm-hmm. There, there, there's a cultural thing, and we all know this about BYU. It's as unique a university as there is in all of college football. You got to find the right fit. Yep, the right balance, all that type of stuff. So, uh, we'll take a break here, uh, but we'll continue to break this down. Uh, coming up on the show, though, I had a chance to catch up with both uh, Kalani Satake as well as Cody Epps. Had some great conversations with them about the Big Twelve. Uh, we were at a media golf event. Uh, Cody Epps apparently is just become like this golf addict you'll hear him talk about that so uh some fun things ahead uh coming up next so i do want to transition a little bit nba free agency is underway a guy of local interest has requested a trade dame i don't think i need to bury the lead on that we'll we'll talk about him next we'll also talk about what's going on with the utah jazz in free agency we got all that to come up coming up right here on the saturday show i'm dave Colley, investigative journalist and host of the podcast cold In October of 1985, a woman named Cherie Warren left work at a busy Salt Lake City office. To meet her estranged husband at a downtown auto dealership. She never made it home. Cherie's car surfaced weeks later in Las Vegas. In the parking lot of a hotel casino. No one knows how it got there. Strange. It was strange. Both Cherie's estranged husband and her boyfriend raised suspicion for investigators. I kind of thought that he might have done something. But no arrests were ever made. In Cold Season 3, we dig into double lives, make new connections in the case, and examine the difficulty raised by reasonable doubt. We want answers just as much as anyone else. They have creeps like that now, too, so nothing's changed. That's the new Cold Season 3, The Search for Cherie. Now available anywhere you get your podcasts.
Welcome back to Into the Saturday. <laughs> that's awesome, Michelle. <laughs> We'll have to tell that story another time, but that was, that was that's, Jake. Jake learned something about me that actually, I probably didn't want to know. <laughs> but here's the thing: it makes complete sense at the same time. So, nonetheless, <laughs> that's awesome, and I can totally believe the reaction you got to that. Also, that's all right. Anyways, welcome back, everybody. Hope you're all doing well. Uh, it, w- this is the Saturday show. That's Michelle. I'm Jake. Man, that was. Talk about dropping a bomb right before we go on there. That was awesome. Great stuff. But anyways, uh, so let's talk a little bit about NBA free agency, Michelle. Let's do it. Opened up at 4 p.m. yesterday. Uh, it used to be it started at midnight. I think the NBA realized, you know what? People actually think this is cool. Like, we should actually make this where it's not the middle of the night. <laughs> well, I don't know. People were pretty excited about Big 12 Day sure. happening at midnight. Yeah. So. Well, but yeah, and they still had plenty of attention. But I think the NBA said, you know what? We might as well just make it middle of the day where it can it can hit the evening news, that type of stuff. I'm going to say more like a Friday news dump. Actually, that's really funny. I didn't even think about that because yeah. all of a sudden, um, like Ben mm-hmm. and and uh, Kyle, Kyle that or, does yeah, Kyle some Ireland. work for us yeah. uh, are hitting me up about Kyle Kuzma, Jakob Pertle. Yeah. I'm like, wait a minute. Like, it's toddy time. <laughs> like, why are people bugging me about this? And then yeah. I was like. That it's a Friday news dump. Yeah, it it, <laughs> it, it opened at four p.m. Uh, so it was six p.m. Eastern is what, so it opens at four p.m. here here in Utah and uh, news came flying out of the gate. Yeah, and it, as it always does. And I, I just my favorite thing is you're not supposed to quote unquote negotiate these deals beforehand. But stunningly, fifteen minutes after that window opens, it's like Kyle Kuzma has got a four year, hundred and two million dollar deal from the Washington Wizards. Well, that was some quick negotiating. No, it was already done, but. Yeah, that that's a dumb thought. Like when you're playing with that kind of money, yeah, you better be negotiating before it's time to make a decision. Yeah, and see, and that's the thing about this is there's there's a ton of opportunity here for these for these franchises to go out and obviously hopefully bolster themselves. But we've had an interesting dynamic pop up because Michelle, the CBA, the new collective bargaining agreement, went into effect and. Uh, apparently, starting next off season, there is a uh, there's a situation where they call it. There, there's these they're, in the salary cap. They have the luxury tax, mm-hmm. where if you can go beyond it, but you pay uh, punitive money to to allow yourself to go over that cap. They have these what they're calling tax aprons now, and the first apron is it's just, it's meant to limit the spending. Like for example, Golden State. Uh, to fuel a lot of what they've done in the last, I'd say, decade or so, they've always been over the cap. And they just re-signed Draymond Green to another $100 million contract, and they're going to remain kind of one of those top threshold tax teams. But they're having what they call the the, the second apron. Mm-hmm. It's And it's got some really punitive things happening because if you go to the second tax apron, and this is all in the weeds type stuff, but the, the conversation is that because of what the punitive – damages that could inflict you could have your draft pick move from wherever it is in the first round to the 30th pick like no matter if you had the first pick if you were to hit this and violate it enough you move to the 30th pick there's some very punitive things coming into effect with the cba it's actually caused a lot of teams to decide okay a we might be trading some guys b we actually may refrain from signing certain people because of the fear of reaching that threshold Mm -hmm. but then as david Locke pointed out yesterday dj and pk well the cba yes they have this punitive deal on the top end but you also have to spend 90 percent of the salary cap like there's a floor you have to spend 90 percent of the cap so there are guys going to get money from some of these franchises i think utah is probably one of those teams going to be on the lower end because utah right now we're looking at about 14 million dollars remaining in the salary cap 
after they made the deal for John Collins, which is actually not official yet. It can't be official till July 6th. NBA rules baffle me, but <laughs> nonetheless, it is what it is. So there's an interesting dynamic here at play that you're seeing some players get signed for some for money that you're like, okay, that's interesting, but also some players being traded. Now, we have one of the biggest trades that could happen on the table now. Because as of this morning, multiple reports, The Athletic, Woj from ESPN, Crispy Haynes from NBA and TNT, Damian Lillard wants out in Portland. Right. Now, Portland yesterday paid Jeremy Grant, uh, was it four years, $150 million for I think is a decent player. But I'm like, that's not the player that Dame wants around him to help him win. Because that's what Mm -hmm. Dame's whole goal, and you know this, in Portland has been, you know what? I want to win here. Yeah. Portland screwed it up so many times around him. Right. He's in his early 30s. I think he's 32 or 33 now. I was going to say, I was shocked. He, he's close-ish to my age. Yeah. So yeah. He, and he's, he's getting up there. He wants, to make, he wants to make a move, and he wants to go win. Well, officially, word coming out that he wants to be traded. The interesting part will be, because it sounds like the reports say that he wants to go to the Eastern Conference. Brooklyn, uh, Miami's his preferred destination. He wants to team up with Jimmy Butler and uh, Bam Adebayo, apparently. Bam's apparently, like... His boy. Like, they're, huh. they're, like, really, really close. The question will be, are those franchises, Michelle, willing to put themselves in salary cap hell, for lack of a better term, with that <laughs> second apron, potentially, to bring in Dame? I just, Dame, come home. Well, and that's the thing. Come I, home, Dame. What can Utah do? Can, can, can the Jazz maneuver enough? Come come here. <laughs> You're so loved here. Well, and he was here, what was it, two Not weeks? too long ago, uh, yeah. He did even, like some fan signing thing it, it's I the, saw. It's the alumni event. He yeah, hosted yeah, yeah, every yeah, year yeah. Up, at, up at the Purple Palace up there in Ogden. And he talked during that about how much Utah means to him. He actually talked about potentially becoming the head coach of Weber State basketball at some point after he's done that playing. That would be dope. That'd be, yeah, I'm with you. That'd be fantastic. That would be awesome. But- he 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 appreciates Utah, and my question is: Okay, does he fit with the timeline for the Jazz? He's a little older, but he would immediately make the Jazz, in my opinion, better top half of the Western Conference. I don't. Let's consider this, guys. Come on. Well, I'm, I, okay, I've got no doubt that the Jazz are considering it. He has the ties to the state. The yeah. Jazz have the assets, maybe the best asset. Fans would lose their minds. (laughs) They'd lose their minds. I've been watching Twitter, and trust me, this morning. Dane's available? Danny, make the call! (laughs) I I don't know. I I think we also, gosh, I feel like we're having a lot of deja vu conversations today. Uh, Sure. But, like, I, I don't know that anybody's really moved the needle for this fan base since like John Stockton, Carl, Mul- like we mm-hmm. we haven't had someone like that. Like Gobert and Mitchell, like I mean, they were nice, yeah, and people liked them and they had their moment, but it just wasn't the same. But you bring in someone like Dame, woo! Like I think the buy-in, especially if like just based off of what the team was like last sure. year with them yeah. overperforming. Him bringing his talent in and instantly just making them that much better, I think the buy-in from the fan base and the community would just be through the roof. Now, uh, 
I, I'm with you on that because he he's a guy that has ingratiated himself to the state of Utah. Mm-hmm. Obviously, he has spoken very highly of his time at Weber State. He stuck with Weber State, by the way. I don't know how people know this. His background when he was coming out, he was he's from the Bay Area. Mm-hmm. Randy Ray latched onto him early, and he he. Randy Ray was his guy. He, mm-hmm. That's the reason why he went to Weber State, because Randy Ray believed in him from the get-go. He had Power 5 programs coming after him left and right, and he told them all, no, I'm, I'm going to Weber. And he had a fantastic run, obviously had some injuries and whatnot. We were never actually able to see the Jimmer versus Dame uh, battle that some of us hoped we could have seen, that, mm-hmm. that they were contemporaries, Jimmer down there at BYU. That's crazy. It is crazy to consider <laughs> it's that. It's so crazy to think about. <laughs> but he would be fantastic to come back here. The, the only the only issue I could foresee are the Jazz willing to push into the salary. if they And that this is completely hypothetical because yeah. no reports out there say that he's interested in coming to Utah. Now, Randy Ray has come on my radio show on DJ and PK and said that he would really he thinks Dame would really consider Utah. He, he has said that. And trust me, Randy knows Dame better than anybody else. He's got him on speed dial. Yeah. Like they still talk often. Mm-hmm. The issue is he is owed, so for the 2023-2024 season, he is owed north of, it's $45.6 million. He has a player option, which he is, yeah, it's a player option for the following year for $48.78 million. So you're looking at nearly $100 million you'd owe to him in the next two years. He's going to be 35 at that point. I look at this and I wonder if the Jazz were to be able to maneuver themselves, to get themselves into the race to bring him in, does he fit with the timeline the Jazz maybe have set for themselves? Mm-hmm. I would say I don't care what the timeline is. Bring I, him to, home. To your point, yeah. bring him home, get him in here, because he immediately, with the overachieving nature of last year's roster, Lowry Markinen has really emerged, Walker Kessler has become already, I think, a starting caliber top 10 center in the NBA there's hope that John Collins can get some of his form back after being traded here in a salary dump move by the Atlanta Hawks. You have a front line of those three in particular, and then who knows what Taylor Hendricks turns into, uh, Keontae George, Bryce Sense about the draft picks they brought in. If I'm Dame, I'd be kind of looking at the Utah lineup saying, you know what, they need a point guard. I'd have plenty of shots because that's the thing, the guard line right now for the Utah Jazz, pretty thin. Mm-hmm. The front line looks very, very good. You have a three in Lowry Marketing who's an all-star last year. You played in the all-star game with him. Mm-hmm. Why wouldn't you consider that? But the reports out say he wants to go to Miami. I'm sitting there. I'm just like, hey, Danny H., um, make a phone call. <laughs> Here's the thing is Utah has a lot of young talent. Yes. Uh, Dame has experience being here. Uh, Dame understands the culture because yeah. he's lived in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and on top of that, he's, you know, a vet and a more mature presence in the NBA. I think he could do a lot of good for this team. Not not only right now, sure. but in the future. I, I think he has the ability, unlike anybody else that the Jazz could bring in, to set some expectations um, and really prep these guys for life after him. Sure. Uh, to be able to handle being here and being what I think this fan base and what this community kind of expects them to be. Well, and that's the thing about it. So th- that, that was my only question was, okay, are the Jazz willing to jump into the luxury tax? Because it would push them. They're, mm-hmm. I said they're $14 million under right now, so that pushes you in theory that's $30 million over. I think it's the type of move you do. 
because it, it just it it would open a window for the Jazz. It would be a shorter window because Dame's going to be 35-36, and that's when you start to see the regression, mm-hmm. especially for younger—not younger, smaller guards, mm-hmm. which Dame is. But he's got a superstar ability. Yeah. We've all seen it. He's got a superstar ability. He would come in and immediately transform what the Utah Jazz are trying to do. So I, I get that the Jazz are trying to be smart with the money, that type of stuff. This seems like if there's any interest whatsoever, and who knows, maybe maybe he's dead set on going to Miami. Maybe maybe so. But if there is an opportunity to go get him, push all the chips in. This feels like a high risk, high reward and type I, situation, and, and we, I think roll the dice. Yeah, I think Portland's going to want multiple first round picks. Well, guess what the Jazz have in spades right now? First round picks through the end of this decade. They 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 could be like, oh, you want four? Okay, well we got all right. There you go. And they could they could make a package of players. They could send, I don't know who they'd send back in the trade players-wise, but they can figure this out. So if there's any opportunity to do it, go for it. Like it just it seems, it seems, this one seems like the, this is why you break that piggy bank. Mm-hmm. Like you go in and say, that's the one we want right now. Danny Ainge, listen to me. I'm an expert. <laughs> I'm not an expert. Trust me, Danny Ainge knows far more than I I, know. I, I cover college sports. I'm an expert. <laughs> We've all seen what Dame has done, and I trust yeah. me, I know Danny knows, because Danny goes to enough college basketball games. Even when he was with Boston, he was out here a lot going to college basketball. I saw him at BYU all the time. Yeah. He, he's aware of what a guy like Dame would mean to this community. So you make the phone call, and like I said, maybe maybe it is, maybe he's just he's dead set. He wants to go to South Beach. Yep. But hey. Uh, there's nothing you can do about that. At least you made the effort. So I, 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 I just got some thought. Here's the thing. Knowing how Danny Ainge operates, that phone call's probably already either happened or happening. Let's go. We'll Speak see. it into existence. It'd be fun. It'd be awesome. It'd be so fun. To have Dame Dalla back here in Utah. All right, coming up next, we'll get to technical fouls. Coming up at 11 o'clock, you'll hear from both Kalani Sitake as well as Cody Epps. I had a great opportunity to catch up with both of them on Monday. Uh, we'll get to all that. It's coming up. This is the Saturday show on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. You're coming from the street with dirty shoes on your feet. That's it, technical foul. If you switch the radio to some modern music show, that's a technical foul. If you touch the thermostat, you'll get hit with a bat. Cause that's a technical foul. You will feel my wrath. That's a technical foul. Personal file, 69, office. He was giving them the business. A technical foul. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on the KSL Sports Zone. Michelle Bodkin, Jay Catch, breaking things down on this Saturday morning. Hope you all are doing well. It is time now, as you heard, for technical fouls. Uh, and I'm going to start off, actually, and say, hey, Jason, what do yes. you got for us this week? Okay, so my technical foul this week is the Houston Rockets. Okay. Uh, Fred Van Vliet, I'm a great guy, you know, good for him, undrafted guy, getting that big. But $43 million a year, I mean, really? $43 million? Kuzma's $25 million, Dame, uh, Draymond Green's $25 million, and somehow Fred Van Vliet is $43 million a year. I just, whenever I hear guys like that making that kind of money, this is this is all I can think of right here. I wish I was a little bit <laughs> Well done, sir. Well 
thank you, thank you. And I just play that on loop, you know, because yeah. uh, there's no other there's no other explanation. Well, okay, okay. And see, to your point though, I think this goes back to what I was just talking about. The NBA requires you to spend ninety percent of the salary cap. Right. So there are guys that are going to make exorbitant amount of money. Right. that You're like, okay, Fred Van Vliet. I'm with you. Good basketball player. Sure. Is he a forty million dollar a year player? No. no. <laughs> Sorry. No. Incredible. Like, I, I'm surprised Kyle Kuzma didn't get more money than he got. Honestly, Cause, yeah. Because honestly, if you ask me, okay, Jake, you want Fred Van Vliet? You want Kyle Kuzma? I'm taking Kuz. Sure. Yeah. But, yeah. Kuz. He's a heck of a player. He's only, yeah. He's only is, is it 25, 26, 26 yeah, roughly. He's not, yeah. He's yeah. still a baby. It's still decent money. Trust me. It, it, Nobody loses in pro sports. No, but. that's true. But for, yeah, forty three to twenty five. Yeah, I yeah. I don't know. I'll tell you what. I every time Coos gets a new contract, I'm like, ugh. I want like, I want interest on the quarter that I lent him to get him out of my way, so I could buy my gas station treats. <laughs> nice. Well, you should you should you know reach out to him and say, hey, you remember that time in Salt Lake? Oh, he wouldn't. Oh, no, he wouldn't. <laughs> He'd be like. That's cute. Yeah, Move that's along. adorable. Like, don't bother me about a quarter. Yeah, no, no doubt. All right, Michelle, what do you got for us this week? Uh, so I am going with a story that I've been following so closely. Mm-hmm. Oh, San Diego State. <laughs> Here, Here's the thing. Like, I still think the Pac-12's adding them. Sure. Pac-12 is going to have an acceptable deal, but At the Pac-12 some point, yeah. came out and said, do not hold us to June 30th. Like, we still have some things we're sorting out, working out, and we want to know what we're doing on the media rights front before we start adding people in. Well, I I understand the sentiment from San Diego State wanting to try and fill out and get a head start and maybe have some discussions with the Mountain West, mm-hmm. but you don't do it in writing that uh, then can be legally obtained by media outlets. Uh, you watch the wording uh, and make sure that it doesn't sound like you're actually planning on leaving. Sure. Well, uh, and that's the thing. You, you saw that uh, Matt Brown from Extra Points. He, yeah. He got the copy of the letter. There's no other way that the Mountain West should have interpreted that other than, oh, yeah, they're out. Yeah, we're planning on leaving. <laughs> But we can't quite leave yet, so can you please work with, like, it just, it it just, it was all the way poorly done. And Mm -hmm. so then, you know, you have reports trickling in that, oh, we're going to have to backtrack and come back, come back, essentially. Mm -hmm. It's just, that could have, I get it, and I, I don't think they were wrong to try and, but the way they did it was not great. Well, okay, here's the thing. It goes back to it. My dad's filled me with all kinds of wisdom over my life, as most fathers do. He always told me growing up, Jake, never uh, leave a job until you have another job secured. Now, mm-hmm. I don't plan on ever leaving this job. I love what I do here at The Zone. But he makes a very good point. Oh, it's 1000 San Diego State was like, you know what? Okay, we're going to $17 million. If we don't decide to do that by June 30th, we owe $34 million. Hey, uh, so Mountain West, we're going to leave. Uh, but we need to talk about how much we owe. And the Mountain West is like, yeah, no. <laughs> like, there and the, I, there's going to come to an agreement. They'll w- welcome them back in because I think the Mountain West understands. Hey, you know what? We need them for as long as we got them. They, mm-hmm. they bring eyeballs, relative amount, that whole deal. But you're right. The way that San Diego State has just botched this is incredible. Yeah. You don't send that letter and immediately like, Mountain was like, all right, cool. 
you're out. And then the senator's like, oh, we didn't actually mean we were leaving. We just wanted to talk. It's like, yeah. but your letter said that so you're leaving. Kinda, it sounded like something else. <laughs> Uh, and I think that was something uh, Kinzano and Wilner had uh, San Diego State beat writer on. Mark Ziegler. Yeah, yeah, not not too long ago. And they kind of discussed that. Yeah. Um, that the wording, the verbiage, not great. Sure. Uh, it it The intent may have been something else, yeah. but that's not how it was interpreted. And when you're feeling out a situation... You don't involve all the rest of the school's presidents yeah. in that. You just talk to the conference commissioner. So there were, there just was a lot that was done wrong on that front. Uh, putting the proverbial cart before the horse or yeah. counting your chickens before your eggs have hatched type oh, of yeah. deal. But alas, see, here we are. And I see, I agree with you. I think at some point San Diego State is going to make the jump to the Pac-12, but to go out and say, "Hey, we're out," and like it was, a, it was a speculative, speculative play on San Diego State's part because I think they were trying to like spur the Pac-12 to be like, "Hey, guys, um, hurry well, up!" Well, and go. and so here's the thing too: is uh-huh. this maybe was a big lesson to San Diego State about remember your place well, in sure. all of this because yeah. you're not you're not the power player. you're not the power player yeah. here. Yeah. Uh, so I I think some hard lessons were learned through all of this. Uh, uh, it, yeah, it just it, it was it could not have been any messier for them. It, no, and see, I, and that's the thing about this. I, I'm not sure how the relationship really ever gets put back together because everybody in Mountain West knows the second that that official invite comes from the Pac-12, San Diego yeah, State's bolting. Out. The, 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 the other issue is though, San Diego State just uh, screwed everything up because you can guarantee now it's now 34 million dollars as of today to make the jump. You can guarantee the Mountain West is like, we are not negotiating whatsoever. You will pay every single dime of that money. Now, I can say that, and there probably will become a settlement at some point. But if I'm the Mountain West at this point, I hold them hostage. Yeah. Just stick to your guns. There's a contract. It's enforceable, and we're going with that. We'll see. All right. It's 11 o'clock, so that was a good one. Way to go, San Diego State. Of all the people to screw it up, you guys found a way to do it worse than anybody else. Well, and— I mean, we got to go. You made the Pac-12 look good. <laughs> I mean, we got to go, but there's also been discussion about how SMU screwed it sure. up from their standpoint yeah. by leaking. And <sighs> y'all. If you guys want to get in, <laughs> don't just sit back. Stop making the powers that determine your future mad. <laughs> yeah. uh, whatever. It, so be it. We'll see how it all plays out. But yeah, some, somehow the Pac-12 comes off looking better in this entire situation. And their two prospective members that are like the lead dogs come off looking like complete buffoons so far. Crazy. They'll ultimately end up fitting right in. <laughs> Good point. It's very well done, Michelle. All right, we'll end it right there. All right, coming back on the other <laughs> side, you'll hear from both Kalani Satake as well as Cody Epps as we celebrate BYU Big 12 Day. Had a great chance to catch up with them earlier this week. That's next right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone.
Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. That's Michelle. I'm Jay. Hope you all are doing well on this Saturday. Thank you for tuning in to the Saturday show. It is Big 12 Day for BYU. That's not us making this up. It's officially official. It's like it's a, it's a thing, just like Pac-12 Day was yeah, forever ago. Yeah, Governor Cox uh, signed the declaration. Uh, they had a ceremony at the... Um, at the Capitol yesterday, uh, Governor Cox was not there. Deidre Henderson, who's the lieutenant governor, was there because Governor Cox was down in southern Utah. PJ Tour coming to Utah. Oh, yeah. We need to talk some, about that. We'll get to that. Some other big news. Yeah, trust me. We're, we're getting a lot of fun stuff happening in this state. Uh, that one's down the southern end, southern end. Uh, we'll talk about that in our next segment. But it is officially Big 12 Day and a lot of excitement, obviously, because BYU's finally living the dream that they have had for a long time. I talked about our good friend Jeremy Moss, who produces uh, – uh, the uh, afternoon show Unrivaled. Uh, we talked about Ann Richards. He actually tagged my tweet and said, Ann Richards, I, that, that was fun to hear her name on the radio. So he's tuned in. That's amazing. But uh, it's been happening for a really, really long time that BYU's been hoping to get to the level they are now officially at as of today. But I had an opportunity uh, Monday. BYU had what they're calling—they called it a media appreciation golf tournament out at Cedar Hills Golf Club. I was lucky enough to attend and play in the tournament. Had an opportunity afterwards to catch up with some of the players and coaches that were in attendance. Uh, there are two I want to play for you guys today, and obviously one of them, Kalani Satake, BYU's head coach. We'll get to that one here in a moment. I want to start off though with Cody Apps. Now he made some headlines during the offseason. We all know this. His little foray into the transfer portal, <laughs> coming back after like what. 20 minutes it felt like basically relatively yeah uh but i had a great opportunity to catch up with him we talked about his golf game because it was after the golf tournament uh how things went in the transfer portal like what the reception was from his teammates coming back and then also getting ready for the big 12 conference so here you go here's cody epps with myself getting ready for big season ahead obviously the big 12 is right here on the deck how cool is that to think that you're just days away literally from being in the big 12 conference um pretty sick it's pretty exciting pretty anxious about it Mm -hmm. personally um, but as a team, we're just looking forward to getting through with summer training, mm-hmm. making sure that we're going into the season healthy, strong, um, ready to go so we can play um, as many games as we can and be healthy as a team. So it's pretty exciting, but we're focused, we're focused with the task at hand, which is training right now. Now, obviously, you had a little bit of an interesting offseason, obviously, with your decision to hop in the portal and to exit it. Uh, what's been the reception like coming back? It's been same as when I was here okay. for the two days that I was not in the portal. <laughs> yeah. um, the biggest thing for me is just all internal. Just sure. me, you know, trying to re-implement myself as a leader, mm-hmm. um, be someone that the guys can lean on. Because, you know, it was two days, but those two days were, were pretty dramatic and pretty, um, you know, heartfelt and pulled on a lot of heartstrings, especially with my teammates and the people around me, like my coaches. So I'm just trying to do the best that I can just to let everybody know that I'm here, I'm locked in, I'm ready to go, and I'm ready to do anything that I can to make sure everybody know that um, I love them and care about them and I'm proud to be a Cougar. So. What was the response from your teammates like when you went in versus when you came out? Were they all like, hey, we support you 100%? What was mm-hmm. the reaction? So, yeah, of course you get the guys that you're closest with on the team that hit you up and reach out and just say, hey, man, we're, we're, we're with you with mm-hmm. any decision that you make. But obviously, you know, as a team, they're going to be a little um, frustrated and a little caught yeah. off guard, you know, just because it was, um, for a lot of people, it was kind of just out of nowhere, you sure. know. Yeah. That was a perception. So, um, 
like I said, I just I just want to do the best that I can to make sure that everybody knows that mm -hmm. that was a hiccup and that's some adversity that I want to build build on as a family, build on as a team, and make sure that everybody knows that I'm here for the long run and I'm here to be a Cougar forever. So, now you got injured last season. How yeah. are you feeling health wise right now? Uh, pretty good, pretty good. My shoulder's feeling really good. Was, was your shoulder last yeah. year? Okay, it was his right shoulder. Everybody okay. thought it was my wrist. It okay. wasn't my wrist. It was my shoulder. But okay. um, it's feeling really good right now. You see, I got my range of motion. Got back, it all so back. Yeah. 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 Okay. So yeah, now it's just about getting stronger, getting faster. Okay. Ready to work. Now, Keaton's coming in as the quarterback. Uh, what's it been like working with him through uh, during your offseason workouts, etc.? It's been pretty fun, man. It's been pretty fun. Throwing with him is amazing just because the way he understands the game and approaches every day and he comes in to work and he comes in to um, get the fine-tuned details in, sure. which I, I'm a big – I'm a big I'm, – I'm, I'm really high on things like that, like the yeah. intricate details, um, each and every step, each and every rep, each and every, you know, thing that we do. I want to make sure that I'm detailed in and I'm dialed in. So it's pretty fun working with him, but it's even fun, even more fun golfing with him uh, when we're not working together. So. Yeah. Who's the better golfer? Keaton's probably the better golfer. Okay. I'm, 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 I'm getting pretty good, but I got I gotta, I gotta a lot more golf to play before I can, you know, solidify that I'm better than a lot of people. When did you pick it up? Last year. Oh, so, so I you're, you're, yes. you're, you're new then? Yes. Like, okay. So, yeah, the Kalani Classic was the first tournament or, like, first golf I ever done, and then ever since okay. then I took it on heads. It, it, it caught a hold of you. Yes, right? so, yes. <laughs> I cannot stop playing. I play almost after I'm done training and after I'm do, uh, done doing my personal receiver training, sure, yeah. I'm on the course. Hey, so. Nothing wrong with that. <laughs> yeah. Now, obviously, you, Keanu, and Chase are kind of the three lead guys at wide receiver this year. Yeah. How do you feel you guys are kind of coalescing as a, as a unit right there as wide receiver? Perfect. Perfect. I mean, the thing the thing about us is we've been we've been through the ringer all together. Yeah. So we've been here together throughout this time. I think my first year when I got here was COVID, which was Keanu coming off of his redshirt season, and then Chase came back that next year from his mission, and I had to redshirt that season for my foot. Yeah. So like we've all kind of flowed into where we are right now together, which makes it even better because we we've all been through the ringer, we've all been through the steps to get to where we are right now. So yeah. So. Darius and Keelan in particular coming in via the transfer portal, what are they going to offer in your opinion? Uh, they're dogs. They're dogs, and they, they play football at a very high level. Yeah. Um, very great ball players, very great, great personalities. Like they've, they've only been here for two weeks, but Keaton and I keep talking about how good this receiver court and this team is going to be for the transfers that we got, the personalities that they have. They just mesh so well with the group that I think it's going to be seamless. You know, It's not going to be like you know two new dudes coming in, uh, how are they going to do? Like No, these dudes are amazing, and they're great people and great have great personality so last thing for me is now as you look towards the season ahead what do you what do you feel like you guys are capable of accomplishing I'm sure a lot of people out there if you look at the polls and whatnot think you guys are okay middling program but what do you think you're capable of accomplishing I think we're we will be as strong as we tell ourselves we will be okay um if we put in the effort, which we will, mm -hmm. if we um, come out every day prepared, which we will, if we, we play tough, which we will, and, and just give it all we got um, and give all the um, love and blessing to our coaches, our families, and our Heavenly Father, I think that we're, we're going to be as great as we want to be. So I don't have a number for yeah, that, sure. but, you know, I'm just a player, and uh, I'm just I'm – just, so eager to do anything that Coach A-Rod or Coach Fessier or Coach Kalani are on special teams, what they need us to do and what they need from me so that we can be a great football team. So all those numbers and stuff, it is, you know, those are people's jobs. You know, they, they come in and work and they have to put yeah. polls together on what that is. And just like my job is to come in and produce and, and yeah. be a great teammate and be a good person off the field. So. There you go, Cody Epps. And I think he handled things the right way with that, Michelle. At least he's giving the, the right answers quote unquote in terms of how he because I, I can tell you the transfer portal did when he hopped in he made a lot of people down there in Provo angry but I think the way to ingratiate yourself back into the program after you exit the portal 
is to kind of do what he's done. He's he's kind of been that humble dude, and he's like, you know what? I, I I regret that decision. I think he regrets the way he went about it, but he's tried to do everything within his power, honestly, to say, you know what? I done screwed up, and now let's just move forward here. And he's going to be a big part of the success or failure of the season, it feels like. I, I think he's a very big piece, you know, for what BYU ultimately does. Uh, Keaton Slovis is obviously new to the program, mm-hmm. and he's going to need all the help he can get. And Cody provides that. I, I think he proved that he's a very viable option sure. at wide receiver last year. And, and when he wasn't there, it kind of it hurt BYU oh, yeah. um, in a big way. So, uh, and I think, yeah. Uh, you know, you want you want to see someone acknowledge have have the wherewithal to acknowledge that you know what maybe they didn't handle something so well. But on the flip side, you know, the fan base and his teammates, his coaches need to be willing to also forgive him. Sure, um, yeah. you know, and and it's one thing like yeah, be angry if he does it again. Um, but but there there isn't a sign or, or an indication that that's going to happen. So I th- I think there does have to be a level of you know just understanding that people make mistakes and they learn as they go. And this was a growth opportunity for him, and it looks like he's taken that to heart. Well, I, I can tell you that they really have. Like I just watching him interact with the guys that were at that tournament. Not all the players were there, but the guys he was there with, Keaton Slovis in particular. You can tell he's he's really he. They're, they're good. And I, I would expect more internally that's happening quicker yeah. on the internal level. But the outer le- like fans just just <laughs> let if if his teammates can forgive him, you can forgive him, too. Yeah, and they have. And I, I think the nice part is I think that you will you'll see he's going to play a really, really big role in, in whatever happens this season. And I don't know what ultimately is going to pan out. And we None of us do, honestly. Yeah. That's why they play the game. But I think that he has gone about his business the right way. Now, uh, his head coach, Kalani Satake, we talked earlier how he, he's gone through this transition. He's been at Utah. He was the defensive coordinator, made that transition to the Pac-12. So he has a base knowledge mm-hmm. of what it's going to take. Well, I had a chance to catch up with him. Now, uh, the first voice you're going to hear is uh, Kevin Reynolds from the Salt Lake Tribune. He had a question. I, I, I said it was actually a really good question because it goes back to the original, uh, I guess, the framework of BYU making the jump to the Big 12. So I left it in the conversation. Then you'll hear me take over. But it goes back to 2016. So here you go. So you were a part of the 2016 team that went down to Dallas the first time, right, mm-hmm. the Big 12. I was wondering if you could kind of walk me through what you remember about that and kind of this journey that you've been on. Oh, yeah, when we went down for the presentation. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was pretty cool because it was like the um, we all had our parts and we were going to kind of like pitch the school and it, it felt like, okay, when we're on the on the flight down, we're kind of mm-hmm. divvying out who's going to say what and what we're going to hit with and the timing of it all. And it was kind of cool just to think that, wow, this is this could happen, you know, and, and, and uh, went through the meetings and it was nice to see all of them, but... One thing it was, it was the the best experience for me about it was that I was able to talk about our school, and kind of brag about it, you know, and and, and tell them why it's so unique and different, and why it's a a valuable partner. And so it's, it's nice that now we're here, we are, you know, years later, um, going into this season, it's like it all comes full circle. And and, and uh, not only did I say that when I presented to them, but now I've been head coach for seven years, going to my eighth year. Mm-hmm. And I, I totally believe what I what I told him. So it's a, it's a it's a cool feeling. 
do you remember in that moment of it makes it more powerful having you or a player here mm-hmm. who kind of grew up a BYU fan like that's the guy making the pitch to the Big 12 like yeah. do you think that resonates more than just maybe another coach who has no relationship to the school yeah and I, I mean yeah I think I think for me it was really cool that I was able to speak as a fan and then speak as a as a former player for Lavelle Edwards, and it's like the um, yeah, it was it was really cool, and I, I felt so, such a, a cre- incredible amount of honor. Just like, oh my gosh, I get to do this. You know, this is like I'm not even been a coach long, a head coach, and and this is really cool. And and um, but you also know that that uh, Lavelle Edwards is loved by so many people yeah. uh, in 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 sports and just all around the the country you know and so that wasn't even in they knew who he was and but it was cool for me to brag about it and then as a fan just kind of like this is how we're so good at this and everything and and you go through the the, the tradition that's been here it's, it was it was a that was a really cool experience now you as a head coach you have the player perspective on this how would you have, as a player would have reacted to the fact that hey we're playing at the highest level of football yeah that's I mean, I, I I don't know how I could have thought about it, but I that would have been really cool, yeah. you know. And, and uh, the experiences that you get to just go to different places and to have that, like you know that 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 P five level, just mm-hmm. uh, these these um, these programs that have so much history and tradition behind it, and places that you've always seen is like it's kind of like those things that you just uh, you just don't think about it. But now as a player, I think the guys have this high level of appreciation. And I, whenever players are, are showing gratitude, usually good things happen from it. So I'm going to keep building off of it and, and then just keep uh, hoping that they, you know, they, they keep showing the appreciation and gratitude because that's where you can really grow and get better and, and get a lot of things accomplished. You, let, you talk about the groundwork being laid in 2016, but you've been working officially about two years now getting ready for what's going to happen officially on Saturday. How big mm-hmm. of a deal is that in your mind? Yeah, I mean, I, I think the, for, for us was just uh, keep promoting the brand and, and, and um, show why BYU is a, a valuable partner. And it's not just the wins. I know everybody's like, well, BYU wins and they do that, but it's we have this incredible fan base that I keep talking about. That's it, The fan base has always been big time. And, and, and I know that we've been independent, we've been in other conferences, and now we're going to a big-time conference. The fans always been big-time. There's, there's nothing small about our fan base. We, we, and it's in every sport. And so um, that's a great place to start with, with our fans being the key, and I can't wait. I mean, when, even when we're, we're, we knew we were going into the Big 12, we played at Baylor, and our fans were all there. Yeah. You, can, you can see pictures and video and footage of us being in different places, and our fans show up. Mm-hmm. And, and um, yeah, I, I'm really proud of our team and our, and our program and, and the, uh, the department. I'm so, I'm so freaking proud of the fans. I mean, they're the ones that really have been waiting for this, and they're the ones that deserve this more than anybody. They, they deserve this opportunity to go big time because they've been big time, and now this just really confirms it. You've brought in 20-some-odd players via the transfer portal. How do you mm-hmm. feel, by and large, they've essentially assimilated into the program? Yeah, we feel great about our team, our players that are currently on the roster, yeah. but whenever there's a chance to get better and create more competition and, 
at depth, and we're going to do that. And, and I think uh, giving the power to um, Jay Hill and Kelly Papinga and A-Rod on offense, defense, and special teams uh, to make those decisions, I think it's important. I support them, but I also see what they're seeing. You know, and, and, and uh, we, we love our players that we have on our team, but there's, there's always ways to improve. One way is to get more talent in there to compete. So when, they, when you compete and you get competition brewing, um, it just gets the best out of everybody. And so, but it also allows you to have great depth, you know. And so when we, we get that accomplished, um, good things happen. But also the, the camaraderie and the brotherhood that, that joins you when you're competing at a high level is it, something special. And we've already seen it from Keaton as, as our quarterback and how he's embraced this program, embraced the, 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 the culture and the community. And what he gets to represent, I mean, he's all in, you know. And, and, and um, when he does that, you see that quarterback room. They're really close. And that's because of, of uh, A-Rod allowing the competition to, to take place, but also uh, managing it with good people. When you have competition, great talent with really great people, uh, good things will happen. And so I, uh, I'm predicting that we're going to be in a really good spot. We'll just see what happens when we get to the games. You may have already answered this, but I wanted to ask you about Keaton in particular. Has he been everything you expected him to be coming into the program? Yeah, and that's kind of hard when you when you haven't played a down for yeah. us yet, you know. But uh, when you're looking at what he's able to accomplish already, we already know he's played a lot of football, so we know there's that experience. There's not like, there's not this wonder how he's going to answer to a live ball game. He's been in hostile environments, including our own, you know. So he's been in places before that that, that are tough to play in. He's been through tough situations. Um, I think for us now is build our offense around his skill and his talents and his strengths, and then uh, allow him to just be a, be a, pl- a playmaker and a ball player. That's, uh, but but also letting him know that he doesn't have to do it alone. And I think A Rod's a master at that stuff. He can, he knows how to utilize the right quarterbacks and get the scheme right. He did it with, with Zach. He did, he did it with Jaron. And he's going to do it again with Keaton. And I, I feel really good about what, we, what he can accomplish on our offense. Has Jay been everything you expect him to be as your defensive coordinator? Of course. I've known Jay forever, man. That's, that's a good friend of mine. And um, it's different. It's, it's not like uh, I taught Jay anything. We, were, we actually learned together. Mm-hmm. You know, so we, 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 we learned uh, the same style of defense, the same style of recruiting, the same development patterns all that stuff. He speaks the same language as I do. Uh, and it wasn't like a, a teacher-mentor type of uh, a mentor-pupil type of relationship. We grew together in this profession. In fact, he could probably teach me a lot more as being a head coach than, than, than what I've done. So uh, we're, we're, we've grown together in, in the, the profession. I'm just glad he's with me. You know, he's a huge asset, and um, he'll be such a great addition for us. Uh, I've already seen the the... the the benefits of it. I've seen some positive things from our players on our defense and our team overall. And he has this this is great positive attitude. And man, I've missed him. I worked with him for a decade, and I'm glad to have him back. How much like pleading, prodding? How much did you have to do to convince him to, to pull the trigger? No, I mean it's just talking. It was just <laughs> like, okay, this is it's, it's, like, let's share the same vision yeah. of what we can accomplish, and 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 also. Um, Let's include everything involved in, in, in the decision-making process from wh- wherever. When, for him to know exactly what this is, he needs to know the decisions that he gets to make, the, 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 how much power he has in our program, but also how much ownership, and then also the people that he gets to work with. I think that was really key for him. And, 
And as we made this decision to, to shift this way to defense, uh, I think he's been able to, to, to embrace the players that are on our roster on defense, and he's done an amazing job leading the players on the defense, but also leading the staff that he has on defense. It's been amazing. You've acknowledged this in the past, but how big has the administration, Tom, et cetera, been for you guys making this transition to the power oh, five level? love Tom. I love what Tom Homo has done for this program, for this university. I don't think um, – I hope people respect it and understand how, how – how he, how much he's worked, how how hard he's worked to get here, get this program here, and so you can see a, a tremendous amount of pride and excitement from him. But yeah, he, he, his vision and the way that he's able to work with his staff, with everyone involved. I mean, with with when you're looking at his staff and the, the administration, the athletic department, they've been amazing, and and uh, he's never stopped working. And so now that we're getting to the Big 12 this week, he's not going to stop working. The guy just works all the time and I'm lucky that he's my AD. How has it been just with associating with these new coaches and other administrators in the Big 12 so far? I know you haven't been to media day or anything like that, mm-hmm. but how's it been in, in the limited interactions you may have had so I've far? I've been around them. But we've okay. had meetings in, 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 in uh, Arizona, okay. Big 12 meetings and things yeah. like that. So, and We did that last year. We did it this year. I've, I've been at um, you know, at, at uh, coaches' events around yeah. them. So, you know, we, Lavelle started a coaches' classic that I was a part of in, at Pebble Beach, so I did that. I mean, my golf game's not great there, but it was cool that I played these these holes on Tiger Woods, you sure, know. Sure, yeah, now absolutely. I'm out here uh, duffing shots on the same hole that Tiger Woods got birdies and eagles on. Anyways, um, but in these in these events, whether it's a Nike event or a Pebble Beach event or whatever it is, I get to mingle and hang out with the coaches and, in, in, in these uh, meetings that we've had, Big 12 meetings in Arizona have been really cool just to hear them. We, we've had, we've spent time yeah. talking about different things in college football and in the conference, and uh, I'm, just, I'm just really happy to be part of that group and uh, great coaches, great men. And you hear them and just they have this passion and this love for their team and their players, and uh, we can all agree on that, that that's, a, that's where we begin. And, and as a coach, that's why we got into the business. But I've been, I've been really impressed with all the coaches in the conference. There you go, Kalani Sitake, BYU head coach. You heard him talk about that. He he's already been interacting with Big Twelve folks, and I, I I figured that was the case. He's been to these meetings and whatnot. It's going to be interesting. This is just uh, we need to hit a break here. But the one thing I am interested in is how the dynamic of BYU uh, fits in with the conference eventually when they start realizing that wow, BYU fans show up everywhere. Mm-hmm. Well, TCU, TCU already you, knows that story hey, was you funny. Have, you have to buy season tickets to have any chance at the BYU game. Hmm. Shocking. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> other other programs are probably going to follow a similar pattern, but it, it's just it's one of those things. But you heard client. He's like, we're excited to be there. We're just we're we're happy to have a, a conference home. They've they've worked for this for twelve years. Independent, at least independent. Oh yeah, at least the, the independence move was simply put, they wanted more exposure and they wanted to get to where they're at today. Speaking of the Big Twelve, mm-hmm. it, it just wanted to be the Power Five level. It could have been the pack. It could have been any of these other. Power Five conference. They just wanted to have a conference home in the Power Five. Uh, I mean, same as you. I think you know our our schools here. They just wanted an opportunity. Well, sure. yeah, opportunities here. Yeah. So it let's did. go. Yeah, and uh, all right, we'll continue to break this down. We'll come back on the other side. We we'll get to five minutes of. We got some other things we need to talk about, including the PGA Tour coming back to Utah after sixty years. We'll talk about that next. This is the Saturday Show on ninety-seven point five FM, the KSL Sports Zone.
Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Hope you all are doing well on this Saturday. It's time for five minutes of, and we've got a couple other topics we have not hit on on today's show quite yet. Uh, one that I'm, it's, this is selfish of me because I'm just a big golfer, is that the PGA Tour is coming back to Utah, Michelle. Official announcement yesterday down at Black Desert uh, Golf Resort uh, that they are going to host a, a golf event as soon as October of 2024. It'll be part of the PGA Tour. Uh, the PGA Tour season kind of starts weird. Uh, they don't start with the new year. They actually start it in, I think it's the Early, it's like maybe late September is when the season actually starts. Now, most people start to tune into the Tournament of Champions, which is the uh, first event in January because they take essentially the month of December off. This will be part of that fall event series is what it looks like. It'll be in October at some point, but it's been 60 years. The Utah Open was last held at the Salt Lake Country Club where the state amateur is going on right now. In 1963, we have not had a PGA Tour event in this market. We've had the senior, what they call the Champions Tour come through. LPGA has been through around the same time the PGA Tour did. Uh, but now, uh, in back-to-back announcements a month apart, uh, Black Desert's going to have an LPGA event starting in 2025 and now the PGA Tour in 2024. I, I mean, it, to me, it's exciting that, as a state, we're getting these opportunities. Yeah. Because, to me... When when your college teams are are getting opportunities to move up to bigger college leagues, mm-hmm. when um when you get big events like All Star Weekend sure. or the PGA Tour or you know so, some of these other events that are coming in, and then you start hearing talks about well maybe we want to bring in like an MLB team mm-hmm. or an NHL team or maybe somewhere down the line maybe an NFL team. Sure, um, yeah. You know, I, I feel like when you start seeing what you have already in place, getting these big opportunities and making some of these big moves, mm-hmm. it makes some of that, some of those other conversations feel a little more realistic. Absolutely. Well, and that's the thing about this. This is going to be awesome because the fall events uh, don't necessarily pull big names all of the time, but they do pull names. And the thing about it, I, I would imagine that Tony Finau, He'll play in that. Mm-hmm. Zach Blair, who, by the way, finished second last week at the Travelers Championship, uh, he's on his way to retaining his PGA Tour card. He'll probably be in that event. Peter Kest, who is a former BYU golfer, he's from the Fresno area, but uh, he was a Monday qualifier this week in their tournament. Uh, they're playing this week at the uh, it's the Rocket City um, Classic, which Tony is the defending champion at. Peter Kest qualified on Monday. He was tied for the lead after the first round. Hmm. Michelle, he shot eight under. Like He went out and just rocked the field, so... There's a lot of good golfers coming through the state right now. By the way, the Utah men's golf team, BYU, have been in the NCAA championships mm-hmm. recently. BYU's got a team right now that uh, looks like it could be a contender in a couple years' time if if all the guys that are in it right now grow up. And by and large, if I'm not mistaken, all of the guys who participated in this year's NCAA championship for BYU men's golf are all local products, all local high school guys. That's exciting. Uh, we've got the State Am going on. Uh, Simon Kwan is actually the grandson of Johnny Miller, funny enough. He's been at Cal, but he's transferring, and there's some thought he may end up coming back to the state of Utah. He's a kid that grew up here. There, There's a lot of good things happening, and now to have the PGA Tour in this state, back in the state, it's a four-year contract, if I recall correctly, so at least four editions of this tournament. Really, really cool. And the other thing about this, I did not know this until they announced it, Michelle. There are three courses in the United States of America that host both LPGA and PGA events every single year. Really? Pebble Beach, 
Okay. Duh. Iconic. Uh, Tiburon, uh, court, uh, Lake Tiburon down in there in Florida. They host an LPGA and PGA event. Number three, Black Desert, Utah. No kidding. Yeah. Go us. It's it's pretty cool what they're doing. <laughs> like, I, I don't know how exactly they pulled it off, but props to them for pulling it off. And uh, hearing them talk about this a little bit, by the way, it sounds like they brought the PGA Tour out to check out. The, they brought them down there with the thought that maybe down the road they'd give them an opportunity. Apparently the PGA Tour had already had an opening. I, one of the tournaments apparently was losing its sponsorship. And they're yeah. like, they essentially handed them a sheet, like a, a term sheet, like, this is what we need. And Black Desert's like, done. Let's do it. That's incredible. You got to strike while the iron's hot, obviously, because if you would have let them, like, we'll think about it. The yeah. PJ Tour would just turn around and been like, okay, we're out. And so I, I know that golf doesn't resonate for everybody. It, it doesn't resonate for me. I, I'm fully aware. But it's, but it's a big deal. It is a big deal. And the other thing about this is um, I learned this as well, that uh, I'm to, the gentleman that spoke yesterday uh, for the PGA Tour, he's just running the day-to-day operations right now for the PGA Tour. Because Jay Monahan, who has been the PGA Tour commissioner, uh, he has been out due to some medical concerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, it is Tyler Dennis, I believe is the name. Uh, he is the PGA Tour, uh, president of the PGA Tour. So he's mm-hmm. he's one of the co-interim CEOs for the PGA Tour's overall operations. Do you know he's a Salt Lake City native? No. He, he grew up here. I don't, there are a lot of peop, high-level people... That love golf here, though. Yeah. He went to Stanford and was a teammate of Tiger Woods at Stanford, but he grew up in Salt Lake City. So mm. this is this is like a like just a really, really fun moment for, for Utah golf yeah. in general. Like I said, you're going to have to go down to the southern end of the state to get to it and whatnot, but... For me, I'm a I'm a I love Sunday afternoons. I get I get home from church and I turn on the TV and I'm watching the PJ Tour. No matter where they're playing, like I just it's great background noise for me. I play the sport, mm-hmm. it's, and it's just cool to have some validation for. We all know how those of us in the golf community here in Utah know how good it is mm-hmm. to have some validation from the pros and say, hey, yeah, we'll go play tournaments there. It's awesome. awesome. Yeah, very so. cool. All right, a couple other things, Michelle. Uh, the the sixty and sixty rolls on. Uh, obviously, we're uh, w- tracking this. Uh, the thing about this is, I was interested in yesterday's pick, and I'm I got to pull this up here. I probably should have done my. You should have uh, prepared it. Micah Pittman checked in yesterday at number forty four on this. Mm-hmm. Now Pittman is an interesting story. Mm-hmm. Started at Oregon, transfers to Florida State. Does not have a ton of production, but he's a former four star athlete. You you can see why people are enthralled with this guy. I am hopeful. And I will talk, I want to talk about some of the other 60 and 60 guys, but yesterday's pick him at number 44, you think that's where he should be picked? Cause it's more on potential than anything else. Right. I, I think just ultimately he needed to be somewhere on the list. Sure. So it's good yeah. that he's on the list. Yes. Uh, where, where he should have ended up. I, a little hard for me to say, because he has the potential to be an absolute game changer for Utah and sure. maybe get them over the hump that they've been struggling with a little bit. Mm-hmm. But he hasn't – he's flashed potential in the past, yeah. but I don't think he's fully realized his potential. So does he do that here at Utah with the one year that he has left to play? We're going to find out. Uh, so I'm not I'm not going to throw stones or be too mm-hmm. eh about where he's placed – it's all about the opportunity. There's an opportunity there. And I was told kind of shortly after he gave his commitment mm-hmm. that both Utah staff and 
I'm going to screw this up because I always want to. Now I'm going to want to do it. Makai. It's not Makai. Ma- Micah. Makai Bernard. Oh, no. <laughs> Micah Pittman. Sorry. Micah Pittman. I'll, I, I, I'll screw it up myself. So go ahead. Uh, yeah. You know, so used yeah. to. Yeah. Anyway, Micah Pittman. Uh, they're all on the same page. Uh-huh. Micah believes in Utah. Utah believes in Micah. Good things usually happen when both sides are on the same page. So sure. we'll see. We'll see how it goes. I know he has a previous relationship with Cam Rising, which was part of the allure and the draw and why he, he ended up choosing Utah over a bunch of other places he could have gone. Uh, so, yeah, well, it's this is kind of a tune in. Tune yeah. in and find out type of deal, but I think if all goes goes well, you know, he, he could be a major, major game changer for Utah. Well, and see, the other thing about this is, so I was looking at the list this week, and I, I've been checking it out. They had Money Parks at number 48, and I, I looked at that, and I'm like, would I pick Money Parks over Micah Pittman? And I, I was kind of going back and forth on those two, because Money Parks has done some things already. Money has shown some flashes. So for me, I'm like, I might pick. I, I, I might have flipped those two essentially, but I mean, here's the thing: is money has more time. He does, right? Yes. So, so long term, big picture. Sure. Money probably is the bigger deal for Got Utah. Um, Micah is like the jump starter. Yeah. Oh, he and you're right. He very well could be a quote unquote game changer if, if he lives up to the potential. Mm-hmm. Now doesn't get hurt, some sure. of that kind of stuff. Yeah. Like, and that's what Oregon thought. That's what Florida State thought. And Utah's now kicking the tires on it, thinking, okay, you know what? We can draw this out of him. And if they do, awesome. Because mm-hmm. he's got that game-breaking ability. And he's got the bloodlines. He's got an older brother who's very, very good. So we'll keep an eye on that. Now, there's two other names from this week's list I wanted to talk about, because one of them you can talk to directly is Paul Miley. He's making the transition uh, from Utah to BYU. I assume, and this is uh, me talking because I've had conversations with folks down at BYU, they have not seen him yet. He's been dealing with off-season shoulder surgery that he's not fully recovered from quite yet. But oh, they've, also been, they've also been very careful with him. Mm-hmm. They want to make sure he's fully healthy before he takes the field. My question is, is Paul Miley capable of going in and supplanting a guy like Connor Pay, who's been a very good center for BYU? And I wouldn't be surprised. Pay can play the guard spots. I wouldn't have a problem with that. But do you think Paul has the capability in training camp to go in there and earn that job in two or three weeks' time? I think so. I I mean, he did a really good job at Utah. He did. He did. Uh, as a relatively undersized guy as mm-hmm. well. And, and I think that's the thing that kind of ended things at Utah. They had a couple of guys that ended up filling in for him that did just as well, have a little bit more of the size uh, that Utah's looking looking to have on the line moving forward into the future. Mm-hmm. Um, so so that kind of garnered Paul needing to find a new opportunity, and that's fine. That just, it sometimes happens. Uh, but he has a great one at BYU uh, because they are moving to this Power 5 level mm-hmm. because they do need some depth. And if BYU has guys on their roster that they can move around elsewhere and feel comfortable with, yeah, I think Paul absolutely could take that job uh, and, and have it be a very good thing for both parties. So it's going to be interesting to watch. I did not actually realize that he was dealing with, with an injury, and I don't blame BYU for being extra careful because, again, we just talked earlier in the show about depth and, yeah. and 
you know, the roster is going to be, it's going to be a little bit tight the first little bit. And so you don't want to be careless. You don't want to be reckless. Uh, And Paul is someone that can come in and I think have an instant impact for BYU, but you got to take care of him and make sure he stays healthy. Well, and that, you're right about that. Now, the other name on this list is Noah Tongi, uh, starting out uh, offensive lineman for Weber State. Uh, in my opinion, this is just my take, uh, Kingsley Suomati'ia down at BYU is getting first-round attention, and for good reason. Mm-hmm. He's got all the physical tools to be a, an elite offensive tackle at the NFL level. I No offense to anybody at Utah, Utah State. The number two offensive lineman I'd have in terms of draftability next year is a Tongi at Weber State. I think he is that good. Is this the one that you were talking to me about? I think we've probably. I think we again. This is yeah. like the deja vu episode. Well, and see, but. here's the thing with Atangi. <laughs> he's a guy that I'm actually somewhat surprised he didn't use the transfer portal when Jay Hill exited the program. But I think he understands. Like, hey, I'm on my, I'm on, I'm on the way. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying he's a first round talent, but I'm telling you, this isn't a, a fantastic offensive lineman. He's he he plays at Weber State, so he's going to obviously get overlooked. I think that's why he's so far down this list. I actually had him in my 30s when I when I did my rankings. I think he's that capable of a player. We'll see. I I I'm intrigued to see what he's capable of doing. He is a junior, I think, this year. Go, okay. Uh, going in. That, that was going to be my next question. Where he, is he at? He played at Bonneville High School. He's all state, all that type of stuff. The thing about this, he he played in all 15 games in 2019, including 14 starts. Then he helped uh, them win a third consecutive Big Sky title, reached the semifinals of the FCS playoffs that year, comes back, played in all five games of that shortened season, you know, in 2021, the 2020 season they played in the spring, mm-hmm. all conference honors then. He has just continued to get better and better and better. And he, I'm telling you, I, 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 Utah's got good offensive linemen. BYU's got good offensive linemen. He behind Kingsley, in my opinion, of the, of the draftable offensive linemen this year, he may be number two on that list. I'm not offended by that because I – I honestly think, like, Utah has some good guys this year, and they're going to do really well, sure. and they're going to be draftable guys. But I think the really good ones are behind those guys. So it's just it's not Utah's turn yet to be talked about and quite like that. Down, yeah. um, so, no, I'm I'm not mad or offended at that. I I, it, I think it's that's just how it plays out at the moment, and that's fine. Well, and I, I know that offensive line play is not sexy and it doesn't garner attentions, but you got two guys who I think could be very high-level offensive linemen if you want to keep an eye on them. Kingsley down at BYU, Atangi, and by the way, both offensive lines at BYU and Utah, to your point. Some of the best. Have multiple draftable guys. Mm-hmm. And I'm just talking about, I'm thinking these are the two top. Top, top guys, so. yep. We'll see. It'll be interesting. It's just, it's kind of interesting to watch how this is all shaking out with these rankings and where my opinion sits with certain guys versus others. It's, just, it's kind of fun to track it, but uh, they'll be continuing. They got so We're now at 43, I think. So plenty more to go. Woo. So Moving right along. All right. We will wrap up today's show coming up next. Uh, this is the Saturday show on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. Welcome back to the Saturday show here on 97.5 FM, DKSL Sports Zone. It is July, Michelle, and typically this is very much a dead time of the se- of the year. Baseball's going on, obviously, but uh, we've had football carrying throughout the entirety of the spring. Right. And today, if I'm saying, is it the USFL Championship today? Mm-hmm. Oh, geez. So, so we've had the XFL. They played out. Yep. And now the USFL is finishing up today. So... 
been a long time coming. You are a spring uh, league veteran, as I like to say. I am. You are. and you, I don't know. Maybe we should call it Survivor. Ooh, that's probably better. Yeah, yeah. Because veteran means like you know, it's veteran says it means it's still like it's still around. Yeah, survivor's better. I'm yeah. a survivor. Okay. Uh, no, super excited about this game. Mm-hmm. Uh, some local interest involved on both sides. Yes. Uh, we have Brian Allen that has the potential to repeat as USFL Correct. champ. Birmingham Stallions, right? Yeah. Uh-huh. Right. And then we have Troy Williams that's been fantastic all season, and this is a guy. He's just been looking for and wanting an opportunity mm-hmm. forever, and he's never given up on himself. I actually saw him a year ago after Pac-12 Media Day. He came and hung out with me for a little bit since I was in L.A., and okay. we just got to chat. And at that time, he was hoping to maybe jump on with the XFL, and I knew some people in the XFL, so I was trying to help sure. him yeah. get in contact just, with, with just people that I know. Get that opportunity. He yeah. ended up finding his place in the USFL. Mm-hmm. Uh, and has torn it up. Yeah, so it's the Birmingham Stallions on one side, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh Maulers on the other. Uh, there is one other local, Bo Tanner from BYU. Uh, played wide receiver at the Y, but now he's a safety of all things for the, for the, okay. for the Maulers. Okay. Uh, he's, a, he's reserve mainly, but it's going to be interesting because I didn't know that Troy was playing the first couple of weeks of the season, Michelle. I just hadn't seen Pittsburgh play. I, I tune into these games randomly. Uh, and all of a sudden one day I was reading Kyle Ireland, one of his rap-ups, and I was like, Troy that Troy Williams? That Troy Williams, yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. It's... Well, and there's actually one more local connection from Spring Ball Survivors. Oh, okay. Uh, so we have Leon Johnson. He plays on the offensive line okay. for the Maulers. Uh, is and he I, a stallion? He's a former stallion. My gosh, he is he has endured a lot then to keep playing. Yeah, yeah. Leon was actually one of one of my buddies, one of my pals through through the stallion saga. It oh, was geez. like him and me and BJ and a bunch of those guys would just always hang out, but he was definitely a part of that. I'm so excited that he knows Troy because I was trying so hard to get Troy to actually play with the Stallions yeah. at the time, and it didn't work out. The coaching staff didn't listen to me. <laughs> okay. <laughs> but, well, they should have listened to some people like across the board in that, in that organization, <laughs> but okay, yeah. But but I'm so excited that they're teammates and they, they like each other and, mm-hmm. and some of that kind of stuff. So I'm really excited. This is the first USFL game that I'm actually going to be able to catch. Okay. Well, yeah, you've been busy. I get uh, that. Yeah. It's, it's just it, they've always been playing when we've been on air yeah, for well, the most part. Well, they, yeah, they, they, so they have the eight teams in both of these leagues, and they usually have played two games on a Saturday, two games on a Sunday, and the times have changed. And mm-hmm. it'll be interesting because, by the way, uh, USFL, they have they don't show, show no signs of stopping here. So this is year two for them. Yeah. And there have been little, and I mean little in the way of rumors of them having financial difficulties and whatnot. The, the players I know that have played in the USFL have told me payments have been on time, They've been, what they were promised. Like, it seems to be working out so far. Well, I, I, I love the idea of a spring league. I'm so yeah. sad that ours did not sure. make it and survive. Yeah. But I'm happy to see... And I was very skeptical of the USFL model. I still think there's parts of it that are just very weird to me, and I don't wrong. love it. Yeah. And I think they've got to resolve and fix some of that soon. But uh, you know what? The fact that they're surviving and thriving, and it looks like the XFL did really, really well and, and is planning on moving forward into the future. And mm-hmm. so it's nice to see maybe some of these sticking around and growing into something. And sure. I mean, 
if all goes well, I can so see the XFL and the USFL doing something kind of like what the NFL did with the NFC and the AFC and eventually kind of merging. NFL, the NFL and the mm-hmm. AFL and where they merge, yeah. I, I can see that too. So it, exciting it, times. Exactly. And I, I hope it works out because it gives opportunities, by the way, because we just saw Lorenzo Fawatea. We saw a number of local guys you get drafted I by like the XFL. Lorenzo. Zoe got drafted. I have to go back to the list. It's on kslsports.com, but Zoe got drafted. There were a few, like four or five locals. They had mm-hmm. a 10-player draft for each team. And like four or five local MSI guys from Utah, Utah State, one from Utah Tech, if I recall, getting opportunities. Yeah. And that's, all, that's what it is. Zoe, Zoe said, I, I need one team to believe in me because he wants to live his dream of playing in the NFL. And he, he understood, I think, going into the, the pre-draft process that he probably was going to have to go this route. He's embraced it. He's going to play for the Las Vegas Vipers, I think. I think is who he got drafted by. Awesome. So, there, there is literally no shame in that. And yep. I know so many guys, Troy Williams being one of them, mm-hmm. I just want an opportunity. I know I can sure. do it. He's had setbacks. This has been the one thing that's worked out for him. And, and it's just, it's, exci- it's exciting because he is a great, great person. Sure. Well, and it, it, yeah, it opens the door. That's mm-hmm. that's all you can ask for. Can you kick it down? Can you can you live the dream? That's there's there's good fortune that goes into it, avoiding injury and just sometimes just plain good luck with the mm-hmm. timing of it all. Mm-hmm. We'll see how it shakes out. All right, so yeah, tune into that. By the way, what time does it kick off? I believe five p.m. our okay. time on Channel Five, yeah, yeah, NBC, big on NBC. NBC. Check it out. All right, that's gonna do it, Michelle. Thanks for coming in okay. as always. Uh, Jason and Corey was helping today. Is that correct? Yes. So uh, big ups to Jason and Corey for helping us out today as well. Uh, For Michelle, Jake, Corey, and Jason, uh, have a great rest of your day. This has been the Saturday Show right here on 97.5 FM, the KSL Sports Zone. It's the story of an American held in a dark Venezuelan prison. Then all of a sudden they all kind of lined up. They pointed their guns at me. And this is the point where I thought, I'm going to die today. I'm Becky Bruce. I spent a year working on Hope in Darkness, which now has more than 2 million downloads. Find it on kslpodcast.com or wherever you listen to podcasts.